Hello, hello. I am Karen Jean-François, and this is the Women in Data podcast. Join me every other week to hear data professionals discuss how data is used in various industries, get inspired, get your field of tips to help you overcome challenges on your career, and feel great. Let's get straight into it. So, the lockdown is not over and schools are not reopening. This means you might be looking for more activities to keep the kids engaged or you might know someone who is. Well, here is an idea. Why not teach your children a new skill that would promote strategy thinking, logic and also encourage data analytics or computer programming as a future career? As an analyst, I am a huge supporter of encouraging girls into data roles and STEM-based subjects. This is why I am joined today by Malcolm Payne, founder of the charity Chess in School and in Communities. Throughout this episode, we will talk about how chess has changed the lives of some of the kids he has taught, as well as the free online access Chess Kid is offering until the 20th of July. Hi, Malcolm. Hello, Karen. Thanks for having me. <laughs> Thanks for joining me today. Um, could you uh, tell us how you get into chess? Well, I have to go back a very, very long time to when I was three years old, uh, wow. I guess, when uh, my cousin Eddie uh, came to Liverpool to follow Liverpool Football Club. He was uh, a South African and he'd had polio as a child and uh, sport was a big thing in South Africa, but Eddie couldn't do it because uh, he was disabled. Uh, so he got into chess and he became extremely good. Uh, one of the best players in South Africa. And according to my father, he was just having a game with my father and I just felt a bit left out and became very irritating in a way. A child becomes very irritating when it thinks it's left out. So just really to keep me quiet, really, I guess, um, my dad uh, outsourced the, the job of teaching me chess to Eddie. Uh, so I had a very good teacher at a very early age. Oh, that's a really powerful story. <laughs> And after learning how to play chess, how did things move to for you? How did you go into creating this amazing charity? Well, we were in a little bubble, my father and I. He just taught me, and he just taught me in a in a classical way after Eddie had gone back to South Africa from a couple of well-known books. And I just played him. And I played a few people in my school. Uh, and I, I used to win all the time. And then uh, one day my dad heard about a chess club and he took me there and uh, I, I was very young and I didn't know um, who anybody was. So I didn't care. And they, they put me up against the best player and I beat him. Oh wow! And, and this was like shocking for everyone uh, because the guy was much older than me. Um, and so at that point, I started getting a little bit of specialist attention, not much because there wasn't much available, but I was taken to an actual sort of adult chess club and uh, started to play in competitions and things like that. That the first time I played in a competition, I remember it very clearly. It's funny where they say a little knowledge is a dangerous thing. That there's 
a way of winning a game of chess in three moves. It's called Scholar's Mate. It's just a, a sort of a, a one-two bish-bash-bosh way of attacking the opponent's king and checkmating them really quickly. And um, I played in a tournament in the Liverpool Institute. It was a huge tournament. Uh, it was a school which isn't in Liverpool anymore. And they used to have about 2,000 children. It was probably the biggest tournament in the world at, its t at the time. And my father had sent me with um, a pen and a chess scorebook in which you write your moves down because he taught me how to do that too. And I played my first game and my opponent fools mated me because uh, scholars mated me, excuse me, because I'd never been taught this. My father didn't want to teach me tricks and, you know, sneaky little things to do early in the game. He thought that wasn't, that wasn't real chess, but because I hadn't seen it, um, before the first time it was played on me, my opponent checkmated me and it was all over in probably the game lasted about 30 seconds and I cried. I remember this quite vividly. This even has it, to be very traumatizing. Uh, even though it's 90, it was 1965. I remember it very vividly. I can even see the room. And one of the teachers realized that because I was the only person in the room who knew how to write his moves down, I must be reasonably good at chess. And so he, he taught me how to deal with fool's mate or scholar's mate as it's called and then i won my next 16 games and so at that point i was noticed as well and uh, started to get a little bit of a little bit more teaching um but it was it was difficult nowadays you can get information off the internet chess has become very democratic everybody can learn it but in the 60s there were just just a few books really nothing else that you could actually learn from but gradually yeah. I started to become a tournament player and uh, and in the end uh, it just became my life. Uh, I guess I became a, a chess professional perhaps because when I left university the economy was actually really in, in a bad way and a, a whole generation of people of chess players like me we decided well chess was probably a better bet to make a living than trying to get a job because there weren't very many uh, in, in, in the early years of, of uh, the Margaret Thatcher government. And so a lot of my generation started to play chess. And in fact, there was something called the English chess explosion. Loads of chess professionals suddenly started to, to appear. So around about the, um, the mid to late 80s, I was actually playing chess for a living and teaching chess for a living. Yeah, it looks like it, it works quite well for you. <laughs> uh, so how was teaching chess? Yeah, so I, I, I used to go run around the world playing prize money. Uh, I used to get paid to play in teams things like that and I used to teach individuals mainly uh, school teaching wasn't really a thing in in the 1980s and then one day I got a I got a phone call from a teacher in Tower Hamlets in the east end of London uh, Tower Hamlets even in the 80s uh, had very very poor educational results uh, had very high immigrant population large numbers of children who didn't speak English as a first language and uh, it was quite a difficult place to be a primary school teacher. There was a huge amount of pastoral care you had to give, uh, as, as well as trying to, you know, to impart the basics of education. I mean, things haven't moved on massively in, in some respects, even 30 years later, there's still the same, the same challenges. Um, and this teacher said, we've heard about you because you teach some of the, some of the best juniors in England, and we wondered if you could help us there's a group of four of us in four different primary schools. We've started chess clubs. It's incredibly popular, but we think some of the children are quite good at it, but we're not good enough to, to take them forward. Can you help? 
that sounded like an interesting opportunity. So I went along and there were a group of children from, let me see, they were all from either Vietnam, Turkey, and the majority were from Silet in Bangladesh, all from uh, extremely poor backgrounds. And most of them didn't speak English. So we, we started to do chess, but I used sign language to communicate the directions of the pieces, what a good move was, whether something, if something was a good move, we put our, we put our thumbs up. If something was, well, we're not sure about that. We waved our, our hand a little bit, you know, we waved it a little bit. Well, I'm not sure. Puzzled look on the face, all that sort of thing. And it, it really worked and it engaged them. It engaged them hugely. And I realized that some of them were quite talented at chess, uh, particularly uh, there was a group of brothers who all came from the same tiny village in Silet, incredibly poor rural village. And the children had come to England because the father had got a job. And gradually we started to get them better and better and better at chess until Tower Hamlets became the strongest borough for chess in the, in the UK, which was crazy because there were kids from private schools in Surrey they were having to compete against. And some of these children won national championships. And one of them, we had a Vietnamese boy. After the Vietnam War, uh, a, a lot of people ran away from Vietnam in, in boats uh, just to escape uh, the regime and the poverty, uh, either for political or economic reasons. And uh, this young boy had arrived on a boat in the UK just six months before, and he became incredibly good at chess and he became the British under 11 champion. And we, we had him on Magpie which was a children's program after school on one day a week, I can't remember. Uh, but it was, if you like, the ITV equivalent of, um, of Blue Peter, which still exists. So in those days, there was only BBC or ITV that you could watch. I can't remember, maybe four channels, I think it was. And so you, know, you either watch Blue Peter or Magpie or both. And uh, yeah, we, we had this child hung in on, on Magpie. It was qu uh, quite amazing. And Becoming good at chess enabled several of the cohort to go to better schools than they might otherwise have gone to. And I stayed in touch with some of them over the years and some of them got decent jobs in the city, which I thought actually thought at the time, this is incredible. They've gone from being born in rural Bangladesh in grinding poverty to having jobs in the city of London. That, that's serious social mobility. <laughs> and for a couple of years, it, it was a really wonderful project, but the funding was, was cut. At that point, that meant that I could go far less often, uh, and grad gradually that petered out. But I never forgot uh, the experience. It, it was really incredible what a transformative effect it had on that on that small group of children. Yeah, it sounds like a, an amazing transformation, and that being able to play chess in a safe environment where they were supported gave them the opportunity to grow and become the the men they are today able to get out of poverty and have a good job in the city of London. So this is how you introduced chess in primary schools. But why, is, why do you think learning chess is so important at such an early age? Well, I think that chess, I mean, we have a lot of anecdotal and scientific research uh, behind this, but chess does a lot of things. It, 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 it helps, if you like, some of the core uh, cognitive abilities you, you need, things like the ability to concentrate, for example. I mean, one of the things that the teachers say to us in the charity is that computer games and, if you like, instant gratification and zapping things on the screen, you know, it, it's, it's not that great for 
encouraging children to to actually concentrate i mean there is some evidence that computer games give you different certain other kinds of skills but chess is is unique in 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 the primary school week in the schools that we visit the teachers say because the children are so focused they're absolutely focused if you go for example take out of a classroom go to a chess tournament if you come to the london chess classic that we organize every year in olympia you'll see 500 children of primary school age sitting in complete and totally focused silence chess grips you can grip you in that way and the other thing that chess teaches is that actions have consequences which i think is a really good lesson for children at an early age so if you make a bad move your opponent might exploit that bad move and if your opponent exploits that bad move you own that mistake it's nobody else's fault it's only yours so you have to try it harder next time uh, so it also teaches children how to how to think logically and chess is a game completely based on logic i think that's why it's endured so long it's the, it's the world's oldest game and it also gives children uh, I, I believe extra problem solving ability you can set for example in chess what we often do in our lessons is we set children chess problems so rather than being competitive sure chess is is a competitive game it's it's a sport in 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 that sense very much a sport but it's also an intellectual exercise so very often once the children have reached a certain level of chess we'll set them chess puzzles so here's a situation how can you force checkmate or how can you win this bishop or can you one of the things we do is visualization so for example the knight in chess moves in the shape of an l which is two squares in a straight line and then one square sideways at, at a 90 degrees to the direction that it traveled initially so it's like like an l shape and the chessboard is 64 squares a matrix of eight by eight so some of the things we do with children sometimes is we teach them how the knight moves and once they're quite fluent in in other in that and other aspects of chess we ask them to close their eyes and see if they can visualize how a knight can go from one square to another square to another square and in chess every square has a name or a coordinate effectively so if you imagine the chessboard has letters going along the bottom a to h and numbers going along the left hand side one to eight so the bottom left hand corner square is a1 and the top right hand corner square is h8 and once we've taught children chess and they've become reasonably fluent in it you can say to a child close your eyes put a knight in the bottom left hand corner on a1 and i want you to tell me can it go from a1 to b3 in one move and the answer is yes because it goes two squares up from a1 to a2 to a3 and then one to the right to b3 okay can it get to c5 yes it can and you can set them tasks and and this really helps i believe with visual visualization which is quite handy in in all sorts of other areas so there are all kinds of skills that chess imparts but perhaps more important than than those if you like academic oriented skills i'd describe them as there are softer skills which are really important so one of the things that's really nice, particularly when you, you teach chess in, in, in areas which are challenging economically, so we, we concentrate on areas that are high on the index of multiple deprivation, is it's so nice for these children to get the opportunity to learn something that other children don't know. And it makes them feel clever and it increases their self-esteem. And I mean, this is very nicely described in one of the charity videos by a teacher who says, you know, they like it. It's something that their parents don't know even it's a great boost to their self-esteem in that way and the other thing that it does is it sometimes lets children excel in ways that 
but they never would have been able to if they hadn't have learned chess. So you get children who might not be particularly good academically, but they're incredibly good at chess. And all of a sudden the teachers realize, wow, you know, this child really has talents that I wasn't aware of before. And the other thing that it also does sometimes is that it might let quieter children be the best at something which is also really nice. It socializes a classroom. So there's a way, for example, for boys and girls to be playing the same game. Whereas, you know, at playtime, very often, you know, there'll be this split. Uh, uh, and also just naturally, you know, the boys tend to, to, to work with boys and girls tend to work with girls. But in, in chess, they can both compete on a very, very level playing field. And chess is, is such a universal game. So what one of the things we found that chess did die out to an extent in schools and, and almost there's almost like a lost generation but very often we find in families that if we teach the children chess their grandparents know how to play chess and this also helps us with um, you know it also helps families with having a nice shared activity it's particularly good during lockdown by the way one of the things that's happening is that children playing chess with their grandparents so they open up the Skype get out the chessboard and then make a move. You know, okay, I've just played this move, it's your go, uh, which is really nice, particularly because they, you know, you can't see, children can't see their grandparents at the moment. Yeah, it sounds really nice. <laughs> so everybody would benefit from it in that case. Nowadays, schools call you and ask you to come and teach chess in their schools. Um, what exactly are they looking for? It varies. Very often they're, they're just convinced of the general benefits that have talked about that chess has, but sometimes what they're trying to do is involve a particular section of the class or a particular class that they're having difficulties with. So for example, I had uh, a few schools, I remember very clearly in Islington, I, I spoke to a group of teachers and they said, we want our girls to become more engaged and we want you to kind of break down the stereotype that maths isn't for girls and that girls can't do difficult stuff. So come in and teach chess and girls will realize that actually I'm good at this, therefore I can be good at maths too. And we went in and, and we did that and we had a very positive effect on the class. Uh, and, and in fact, we've been in, 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 in those schools now more or less since the charity started. Yeah, so that's a good way to bring more girls into STEM subjects, I guess. Yeah, you've got to break down the stereotype that this isn't a girl's thing. So once in the classroom a girl sees, well, I can play chess, I'm good at chess, you know, then why can't I do other stuff that's, that, that's related to that? Say maths, for example, absolutely. It's very much trying to, to give girls more confidence in STEM subjects. So with the, the charity you were teaching chess during school hours rather than after, why, why is that? Yeah, so we, we actually do both. I mean, we'll do whatever the head teacher asks us, but we prefer to teach it during school. So one of the, when I set up the charity, I was one of the challenges I had was how to get girls going into the game, how to get girls playing chess, because in the UK, and it's the same around the world with just a couple of exceptions, we only have, I'd say, 7% of chess players are girls. I think 7.65 are female. Yeah, 7.65% of tournament chess players in the UK are female, which is just abysmal. And so when I was setting up the charity in 2009, I thought, I wonder if I could try and fix that in some way or at least help it. And I came up with the idea of teaching chess as an actual classroom lesson rather than an after-school club. Because 
because of the stereotyping that goes on from such a young age, and I th think this is one of the reasons that there aren't so many women in, in data, uh, as well as other fields, you know, if, if, you, if you set up a chess club in a school and put it up Thursday at half past three, for example, so the head teacher might make an announcement at assembly, okay, boys and girls, great news, we've got a chess club at the school, it'll be happening every Thursday at half past three. If you turn up at Thursday at half past three, you'll get 30 children along. 27 of them will be boys. Three of them will be girls, and two of those girls will run away because it's like 27 boys and three girls. They don't want to know. And I realized that if I could convince teachers to have chess as a classroom subject, well, then there'll be 15 boys and 15 girls. Yeah. And that I'll, girls will get the opportunity to play chess, and they'll realize they can be really good at it. They can beat the boys. They can participate, and it's something they might even like. So I devised a a curriculum, a 30-week curriculum that primary school teachers could use. And then to help boost that, a training course for people who wanted to become chess teachers so they could go into the schools and use this curriculum. And so now in 350 schools and around about 800 plus lessons a week, we have chess being taught as a classroom subject to about 15,000 girls and about 15,000 boys. And that's really nice because, first of all, you know, it gives, it gives girls opportunities that, that they wouldn't have had uh, certainly even 10 or 12 years ago. But also when you look at our chess tournaments, what's really nice, if you, if you pan the camera over a chess tournament that we run, you'll very often get a, a female participation rate of even 40%, but it's very rarely less than 30, which is way better than most other activities that you get that, that, can, that, that can be played by both sexes. So I think that that component of it's been a real success yeah it sounds like it Maricom, does chess has a particular appeal for girls well in the primary school classroom girls often really like the idea and not surprisingly that in chess the queen is by far the most powerful piece the queen is absolutely the dominant force in a game of chess so that the king is very needy uh, not a very powerful piece in terms of how far it can move, whereas the queen is completely dominant. The queen can go in. So there are, there are three directions that the chess piece can move in, up and down, sideways, or diagonally. And the queen is the only piece that can do all those three. So it's by far the most powerful. So that's always one of the things that, that girls like about chess is the queen is absolutely the dominant piece. Yeah. But it's also... <laughs> I also find that actually that in the classroom that a lot of girls like the, the peace and quiet that chess engenders as well. Uh, and have you seen a, a difference between primary schools and secondary schools? Chess suffers, I'd say, from, from the same thing that happens with, with other sports. I mean, there, are, there, are, there is an interesting question, you know, what, what, what are the intrinsic differences between men and women that lead to far more men playing chess? And one of the things that I notice is that at secondary school, the number of girls who go on to play chess in secondary school is far lower than the number of boys. There are things around what's cool, for example, which are, you know, a, a, ma a major issue. That's a struggle that I still have to grapple with. I guess anyways, with the, the fact that you're doing um, such an amazing work in primary schools, it might encourage more girls and boys to keep playing in secondary schools afterwards. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. absolutely. I, I, we, we even, the charity's even uh, old enough now, uh, having been going for about 11 years, that we've even got one or two girls who are now women who are now teaching for us. Oh, wow. <laughs> so, yeah, th this, is, this is really nice. 
Malcolm, you do have some chess players that then went and had a career in data. How how do you feel like chess impacted this decision? Well, I think that chess does does give children some of the skills they'll need in 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 a career in data. You know, a, a game of chess is is like it's a continual flow of data that you have to adapt to and process on a game of chess. When your opponent makes a move, that's a new piece of data. And you have to analyze that data and the ramifications of that data and what has changed. People often say, well, are chess players brilliant mathematicians or musicians? And actually there's no evidence to suggest they are. But the one correlation that, that is clear is between chess and computer programming, for example. So one of the key things in chess that you, you need as a skill and what we teach in, in our primary school curriculum is pattern recognition. So sometimes when pieces are aligned in a certain way, certain things become possible. We call them combinations. You might think of them as almost as tricks yeah. in, in the game. And so recognizing patterns is incredibly important in chess. Having a totally focused approach of solving a problem step by step is incredibly important in chess. So I think there are quite a lot of parallels between between data and, and, and chess. Now, you know, you are talking about the fact that with the lockdown, kids get to play virtually with their grandparents. Um, so basically creating these links and then maintaining links with grandparents that they can't see anymore. But it's also I feel like it's also a great opportunity for parents to learn more about their kids and how they learn, etc. How? What do you think about that? So we, we've launched a, a campaign because the majority of children, the vast majority of children, never get exposed to chess. I mean, the, the, the charity might be functioning in a thousand schools, but there are more than twenty thousand schools in the UK. Uh, so what what our campaign is to try and get a million children to learn how to play chess. And it's something that they can learn online with or without the parents, but preferably with their parents. And although it's a completely safe environment, it's hermetically sealed, if you like, from the rest of the internet. And there's no, there's no chat or interaction with, with, between people who you even know. You're, you're anonymous on, in, in this uh, environment that we recommend, which is called Chess Kids. So we're offering every child the possibility of having a free subscription to something called Chess Kid, which is at chesskid.com. It's a place where they can learn how to play chess and then play chess against people from all over the world. And we hope also that, you know, they'll stop playing their parents and their grandparents and their siblings. Uh, uh, and I think during lockdown, it's a great way of getting children engaged in a constructive activity because I've managed to get these 1 million free accounts. It's completely free as well. So there is no, you just really need uh, an internet connection, which, okay, not every house has. I mean, there are a lot of people who are data poor, but, for most people, uh, it's an opportunity to get your children engaged in doing something constructive rather than, you know, playing video games or watching television, that, that, that sort of thing. And we've had uh, great success. We've already had 40,000 applications. Uh, it's, it's very easy. You just go to our website, chessinschools.co.uk. If you're a parent, you just click on the parent icon. If you're a school, if you're a teacher in a school and you want 500 subscriptions for every child on the roll, you click on that and... And, and you can get going. And until when is this promotional offer valid? So the subscriptions are valid until July the 20th. <laughs> so, you know, there's still uh, seven weeks worth of, uh, of, of tuition and play uh, available if you want to go and take advantage of it.
Yeah, that, that sounds like a, um, a great way to, to spend some time with the kids and then teach them something in a fun way, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I, I was moved to do this campaign when I saw all these memes and little videos on, on TikTok of parents just going mad. <laughs> what, can, what can I do to help this, you know? Well, thank you so much for joining me today, Malcolm. It was a real pleasure. Thank you too, Karen. Thank you for listening to the Women in Data podcast. If you would like to register to the community, all you need to do is head to womenindata.co.uk. It's free and easy. Please feel free to share the link with anyone you think would benefit from being part of the community. You can also follow us on social media, so LinkedIn, Twitter, and Instagram. We would love to hear from you and have some feedback that will help us enhance the content and bring the guests you want to hear from. Have a great day.